absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Hey, welcome back, podcast patrons. As always, I'm your host, Dan. My co-host, Scott, has got the night off, but I've got a very special guest tonight. I've got John Pannoni, uh, golfer and owner of Spargo Golf, a complete golf fitting uh, company, business. He has his own building. I mean, this place is literally golfer's heaven. It's like a kid in a candy store. John, what's the good word? Uh, thank you so much for having me, Dan. Uh, you got me, got me excited about my own shop on that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Dude, when, when I look at pictures of this, and obviously you're very active on Instagram, right? Spargo Golf on Instagram. Yes, um, sir. When I, when I see your Instagram stories, when I look at the Instagram page, when I look at the website, I, I feel like I could probably shut myself off from the outside world and spend like eight to 10 hours hitting every single thing under the sun in your facility. And I'm not exaggerating, right? Like you literally have everything. Yeah, it's, it's, you you nailed it. Um, our three big OEMs are Ping, Mizuno, and Titleist. Um, we do do work with Adele out of Texas and Alpha, kind of our builders brand, but there's just, we have so many combinations of stuff. Um, yeah, I find myself really hitting even clubs that I'd never gained, but, you you just have it there, so you're putting clubs away, and you just fit a, a woman into you know the p- new ping GLE two. It's like oh let, let's see how this thing feels off the club face because you know it'll help me talk to uh, a lady through you know what the club's supposed to do, how it's supposed to feel, and yeah, it's not the right club for me, but it is just pure um, golf golf paradise because I, I grew up. My dad was always a gear junkie like my my garage or my basement at my parents house very much looks like my workshop now as a professional club fitter um, <laughs> he had clubs everywhere um we never building stuff but he just he always was always had golf clubs with him so before i get into like your background of golf and and turning pro and stuff um what's what's the biggest misconception that people have about getting fit for clubs. Is it the fact that, like I hear all the time, because I, I, I do, I dabble with like a ton of stuff in the golf industry, you know, like like I'm, I'm, I'm good at a lot, master of none type deal. Um, <laughs> so so I work at, uh, I work at you know, part-time at a, at a driving range, I range at a golf course, but I also, I do lessons at uh, the driving range where I've worked and I've been there for almost 20 years. And the biggest thing I get from clients is that, they're like, Dan, I don't want to go get fit yet until you fix my swing. And I'm like, uh, well, you know, here's the deal. It's like, you know, one works hand in hand with the other, you know? So is that the biggest misconception that people think they have to get better before they get fit for clubs? Yeah, you, you put it in a, a much better way. I was just going to say people think they're not good enough to get fit. Yeah, yeah, um, I guess that's what I was getting at. No, you nailed it, uh, and I, I couldn't agree more that I think the fitting and the teaching have worked against each other a little bit in the industry when if they work together, now we've got, now we've got the recipe to have a good golfer. I mean, you get clubs that fit you, you get an idea 
in the player's head that makes them want to go practice, want to go improve, then they're, they're going to get better. That's all there is to it. Um, but what I hear even players who come into the studio who've already paid for a fitting, like, yeah, I, you know, it took me a few months to, to even book this because I, you know, I'm just, I'm just not that consistent. Well, that's where we agree. We disagree so much that they are consistent that you might have, you might have this, this myth that's over the top or underneath, but that's your tendency. It's not going to change. I don't care if you work with a instructor or not, you're going to try to improve on that, but you're always going to have some sort of that, that, you know, myth. For for instance, my myth is always going to be underneath, no matter how hard I work on that. My goal is to always, you know, be on top of the golf ball, but I fight that tendency. Um, that doesn't mean I can't change a golf club to, to help that tendency get a little bit better. Yeah, I get I get from people all the time. They're like, well, I just don't make consistent contact. It's like, okay, well, I get that. But your inconsistency, inconsistency or inability to do that is actually extremely consistent. Yeah, yeah. We say that all the time. Inconsistently, you're consistently inconsistent. Uh, Inconsistently uh, consistent. 100% agree. (laughs) You know, and and so people are like, well, you know, like you referenced an over-the-top move. Like, obviously, for most beginner amateurs, like, that's the biggest thing, casting over the top, right? You know, I mean, I mean, God, 80% of people I have, it's like the same thing. I wish I could just line them all up and be like, all right, here's what you're doing. But here's what you do. What, this what, is an outside coat yeah. all day long. Yep. And and I think you nailed it is is the fact that you're always going to come back. Like your miss is always going to be your miss. Like I have an extremely flat swing, like a crazy around the body swing, because I'm short. And that's how I learned to develop power. You know? Um so my miss exactly. is always gonna be this like trap draw pull left. Now I know all about yeah. That. I'm so about five nine, and that is that. Yeah, that's well. You you you've there. got me by five inches. Like you're a giant. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> all right, but fair enough. <laughs> like so so that's my miss. And no matter what days that I'm swinging well, or weeks or months at a time when I'm swinging well, like all I'm doing is fighting off the fact that at some point that's going to come back. And I try to relate that to people. No matter if you're a single digit handicap or if you're a mid or a 30, you know, handicap, that is what you're going to be consistent at. I think you're right. Like you have the ability to help build clubs around that. So it, it in turn minimizes their inconsistencies a bit. Agree. And now where we do make, you know, we have, uh, at, at my, sh- at my shop, we actually rent space from this, uh, range Mulligan's Island, which is uh, an awesome, awesome golf facility. Um, it's got some, a 36-hole putt-putt, 12-hole pitch-and-putt, 9-hole par-3 course, and a full, like, 150-stall range um, open eight months out of the year. So we have a director of instruction two-stall down for me. So we've started, since I've taken over, to kind of help each other out, where guys guys or girls coming in um, asking for lessons from me because – you know, we do give, I do give tips during the, the fitting. If we can't, you know, if you get a player who's completely over the top, toe hit, toe hit, toe hit, you can't fit that player into like an eight degree upright club. You're, <laughs> you're not helping them. For sure. 
Um, so we try to, you know, there's a balance, like you said in the beginning, there's a balance of, of teaching and fitting and you, you work with the instructors and you hopefully you find out if, you know, the player has an instructor first off, but yeah, if, if you can, if you can get a little bit of mechanics, but it's always going to be your swing DNA. That's just who you are. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I like I couldn't agree more. I I tell people all the time like they they'll come in and be like, "Well, I want to have a swing like Adam Scott." I'm like, "All right, well that's cool." You know, if like if you're 6'3 in Australian, like we can work with that, but you know, you're Absolutely. you're 5'7 and you're 65 years old and you're overweight and you have no mobility. So And you don't Yeah, and you don't plan on going to the gym. You don't plan on hitting ball 7 days a week. So why don't we just hit a golf ball there? or fit a golf swing into you or have a, have some sort of swing move that you can just have a little bit more fun. Yeah. Yeah. And make a little bit more consistent contact. So when you're out there, you know, Hey, maybe you only lose a sleeve of balls instead of an entire box. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So listen, get, so let's, let's give the people kind of like a little history of, of John's golf journey, how it began, um, you know, how 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 you got to turning pro? What happened with that, and then ultimately what led you to owning Spargo Golf? Cool. All right. Uh, so I got to give a first shout out to uh, you know the the parents because they are uh, my dad. Growing up was a scratch golfer. My mom was uh, she still is like fifteen or sixteen at sixty years old, um, and my brother played college golf. Uh, so we, you know, I grew up in a golfing family. Um, but my, my dad introduced us really. Now I look back the right way. He, he had a buddy of his cut down a 60 degree wedge and I chipped around the yard. And then if I wanted to go to the golf course, I just chipped around with him while he played. And then it turned into, I wanted to be like my brother who was playing junior golf. And we just progressed that way. And he could see that we all were you know, my brother and I just loved the game and loved to compete at it. Um, so then we got involved in um, a thing in New England called U.S. Challenge Cup. A guy by the name of Dave Adamonis, his his father's kind of started it, but Dave was who I knew as really the brainchild. He ran these, oh man, it felt like it was like a 50 tournament schedule in the summer, like little one-day events all over, the, all over New England. But, you know, mostly around Rhode Island, Massachusetts, we traveled a little bit. Um, my age group, we had guys like Keegan Bradley, John Curran, who came out of there. Um, Jim Renner came out of the, uh, age group above us. Richie Warinsky came out a few years un- under us. So it's like a golf factory, uh, up in the Northeast. So that's how I got into tournament golf. Um, just the fun of competing, meeting all these kids, um, and getting to play fun courses. And then I went to played high school golf. Uh, went to URI, University of Rhode Island, for a couple of years where I was, uh, I did not, didn't do my, my best in the, uh, in the classroom. Let's, let's put it that way. I was a little young and immature. So I moved down to South Carolina and finished up my school at South Carolina Buford, where I met a swing coach and who was my college coach by the name of Shane LeBaron. He's out of, um, he's based out of Mirabel in uh, Scottsdale. Okay. And, yep, yep. Yeah, and Knollwood up in Illinois. So he splits his winters and summers up there. So he's been my swing coach for like 10 years now. Um, but he was the first guy, so I'm, 
I'll finally get to the point here. Um, he was like the first guy who outside of Rhode Island took an interest in my golf game for like not knowing anybody in my family. He didn't know my brother. He didn't know my father. Um, you know, cause Rhode Island is a small knit community, New England itself, where he, he saw something in my game where he took a full interest and wanted to work with me and wanted to see how good I could get in college. Um, and it quickly became, you know, our goal was to develop a pro game and, and see how good we could go. And, um, so I worked with him. I've worked with him now for 10 years. So we played, we had three transfer D1 players at South Carolina Buford. Kid Chris Lane out of Oglethorpe, Reed Howard out of Pepperdine, um, George, George Stafford was from England, Jack Bingham from England. We were, we were staff. Uh, we won in the three years I was there, we won 10 team events and got to nationals, finished nationals, uh, top five once. And it was, it was quite a, quite a fun little ride there, but I had some individual success with all that team success. Um, I picked up four victories and then my senior year, I was uh, named first team all American and then qualified that summer for the USAM. Um, didn't make the cut there, but you know, qualified for the amps. So obviously I thought I was like the greatest player ever. Uh, <laughs> so I figured might as well, you know, I got to turn pro and see how long I can, I can make it last. Um, and I uh, moved out West, played a uh, national pro tour and learned very quickly that there's a lot, a lot, a lot of good golfers. Like um, we were talking about earlier, um, my first, first year played against, you know, Tony Finau was out there. Um, Jack Blair was out there and they were really, really refined players that, at, you know, just didn't see that my game was even like at that level. Um, so I had a few years of, of trying to figure out where my game was and, and trying to figure out what they did better that I needed to be more like them and play like them and kind of lost track of what actually made me a good player. So had a, had a short run of like full, full time playing and uh, a guy back in Rhode Island, Tom Spargo, who was a top 10 club builder in the country and been in the business for like 35 years. He's built quite a few clubs for me over the years, college and when I first turned pro, um, offered me a gig where, you know, I learned, I'd, I'd shadow him for about six months, like an internship wouldn't get paid but would learn um, a whole bunch. And then I'd become, you know, kind of the spare fitter. So I'd, I'd take over the afternoon fittings. And when I had state opens and tournaments, I could go play. No questions asked. So, it was, you know, as a golfer who didn't really have any money, it was like a no brainer situation where I could stay in the business and I could stay playing. I didn't have to go, you know, I didn't have to go get a real job and then get my amateur status back, um, which I just, I, I didn't want to ever, but I, I don't ever want to do. Um, so it turned quickly, like within three months of me starting fitting for him, he opened up like the whole studio to me, all the fittings. Um, you know, we've known each other for quite some time, but it was the first time I got like full access to a golf shop where I could just rip my clubs apart. I was learning how to repair. I was learning how to do everything, just anything you can think of a golf club. I was learning how it worked, how weight works, how putting weight in different positions, how it changes ball flight, 
Um, so my head was spinning in the first year and over the winter I was going to actually go, um, I was going to go somewhere South or go back West and he offered me all the fittings throughout the winter. So it was, uh, it was a great, you know, another great opportunity to just keep learning and, you know, don't get me wrong. It's not like we can't hit balls. I've got trash cans of golf balls to hit all winter long, all day long when we don't have fitting. So it's, you know, like we said in the beginning, it's a prime setup for, you know, a player like myself and, and someone who just wants to be around golf all the time. Um, so then, you know, after three, four, four and a half years now, he, this was last summer, he came up to, you know, he came and had a meeting with my father and I, and, you know, he wanted to, um, he had gotten to the time where he wanted to, to move on from the business and retire and, and offered me the, the opportunity. So I saw it as a chance where I could take what he's built, which is an unbelievable business model of how to fit people, um, how to build golf clubs for people and really not, you know, um, and then grow and grow a brand where he's got this unbelievable, he had this unbelievable product, but the logo was a little bit, outdated and you know that wasn't the main focus that was never his focus his focus was to build golf clubs and fit people and I just saw an unbelievable business and then when I took it over it was you know being of this generation it's you know how can I grow this on social media how can I grow a brand more than just a fitting studio and club building studio because we already have that we have a good product we just need to grow it bigger like our 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 reach right now is we fit people in 12 different countries and i want to say 38 states right now out of you know little rhode island but our main demographic is new england where uh we have players coming from new york city driving three four hours to come come to rhode island to come get fit and it's it's completely wild so the idea behind the um you know just uh really growing growing the brand was to see if we could make you know the what almost what tom has built i wanted i wanted more people to know about it um because it's something the golf business the industry needs uh, players who are buying thousands of dollars worth of golf clubs need to know what clubs to buy. Period. They need to know what length, what line, what weight. Instead of just buying a set off the rack, they don't work. They don't have fun. They don't like golf, and you you might have lost the golfer right there. Or they go and get fit, then they can go around and shot at what brand they like, but they know where to go, what length, what shaft, what flex. Um, so they can have a little bit more fun. Um, so that was his, his idea. So we're not really changing anything. We just kind of cleaned up the logo a little bit and are trying to get more of a younger, a younger audience, a younger, you know, just like, um, just like a lot of the, the social media world is, is going. It's, you know, it's a community. So we want to we want to add to the community. We want to add to the golf community. What can we give back to the game? Um, you know, I want to I want to help. We want to help people get 
more knowledgeable at golf and get a little bit better at golf with getting them into the right equipment. Now, are you a natural tinkerer at heart? Yes. Okay. I I figured that type of personality would probably work, you know, real well with that. Um, I, I feel like I am too, although I haven't changed the majority of my setup probably within the last four to five years, let's say. I have two sets that I kind of go back and forth with, you know, and I, I mix and match. Um, yeah. I definitely have a, uh, a penchant for putters and can, uh, I mean, like most people do, you know, that's not so that, that absurd. Yeah, that, was how I, <laughs> that was how I started with putter obsession. Um, but I, I guess as far as you as an individual and as a golfer, um, does working in an environment like that tempt you to change a lot, or are you kind of are you kind of you, you, you kind of know exactly what fits you now, and you've kind of been there, done that type thing? Um, hmm. that's probably the most common question I get. Uh, so with certain things, I'm very very set in my ways. If if I find a driver that just because I'm not a huge, I'm not a, a long hitter. Um, so when I find a driver that like actually explodes, like everybody talks about these new drivers doing, uh, I don't change that at all. But like irons, um, yeah, I switch irons quite a bit. Uh, this season I was playing the 110 steel fibers for most of the season, played them all last year and some I 200s, but, um, I got, I put the nine nine one nine Mizuno tours in this year. It put the shafts back in and just was really tired of my ball striking. Like halfway through the season and midway through a tournament in July, I was is the Providence Open and I came home after a round and and went in the shop and just ripped apart my club <laughs> and quick and, and quick set them with with shafts that I had never hit. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm bad. I'm bad with irons and, but it's same thing with wedges. I keep that. My wedge setup has stayed the same for like eight years, like the same gappings. And I haven't tinkered with like line, you know, lie angles or, or bounces too much because I know all that stuff works where with the irons, I'm always looking where it's like, oh, if I hit, I hit 14 greens, but I could have hit 16 if that shaft maybe, or that, that club head, well, maybe that gets it to that ball flight that I want. So that's, I'm, I'm terrible with my iron. What's, uh, what's in your bag right now? What are you playing right now for people out there so they know? Uh, my driver is the G410, uh, the, the LST with the hazardous smoke yellow, that small batch that they just came out with. Playing an old M2, like the 2000. 16, 17, like the lime green one. Um, I'm playing that three wood with an even flow blue shaft. I play in the G410 hybrids with even flow black. And then I'm playing right now, I'm playing uh, the 919 Tours with uh, C Taper 115 X's. And I'm playing Adele Wedges with S400. And my 58 is the new Glide 3.0 by Pink. Um, the the i2 version 
And then I'm, uh, I'm currently gaming. I've been gaming for ready since we brought him back and I brought him back into the shop in February. I, I love their putters. Very cool. Very cool. What, uh, what ball are you using? I use the pro V. Okay. Regular, not X. One of the, nah. Yeah. I've always played the, always played the regular, even when they made their little switch, uh, like two years ago. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Very cool. Um, all right, so now I, I want to kind of put our listeners into the shoes of, of someone that's coming for a fitting, um, kind of like what they should expect, what they should know, because, I mean, honestly, I don't know if I can compare you guys, especially because I didn't even know about that practice facility that you had right next door on campus. I don't know if I can compare you guys to anything less than like the kingdom down at, at at Reynolds, you know, with with TaylorMade, like you guys, oh my goodness, you you guys, literally, <laughs> you literally have everything. Um, and like John, I'm not kidding. Like I looked up Google Maps right now as we're doing this. I'm like, oh, he's four hours and fifteen minutes away. Like that's not bad. <laughs> hey, hey, you, know, like, you let you let me know. You'll have a full bag. You'll get the full treatment. Yeah, like we we might have to do a remote podcast from. There, I mean, I can only imagine, like, the, 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 yeah, that like the Instagram stories and stuff would just be insane. But awesome. all right, yeah, so we have a group, so much content. All right, well, <laughs> let, you know what? Let's 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 do this. Let's let's put people in this position. I am a, I would say, a former good golfer. Like, I would never say I was, you know, halfway decent. But I've been as low as scratch. I've been a club champ. You know, I've gone three, four months where playing from. 67, 68, 100 yards. I've never shot more than 75. And then I had two kids. And I'm only starting to get better now. Now that my oldest son is 12, my youngest is nine, and they both play. So a lot of my time is spent, you know, playing with them. But in the beginning when they were young, you know, it was a, a wedge and a putter. You know what I mean? And yeah. then they would go out and play. Um so my bag is like a mixed bag of things that I have put together over the years. I, I had one fitting, which put me at like two degrees flat, you know, because I have such a flat swing. And it made sense, but I never had the sense that the fitting was uh, was was complete. You know what I mean? I, I've always been left. Yeah. I've always been left with with the feeling like you know what? Maybe there's something else out there. And I think that's what it sounds like. You guys do a great job of is eradicating the what ifs from people's mindset. Yeah, my whole goal. So you know, say you you come in, you book your fitting. Um, say full day fitting. You're in the studio with me upwards of three hours. Right. Um, we we allot a lot of time in the studio for multiple reasons. Um, you know, players get tired. We don't want to get. We don't want to make them exhausted. So we spread it out. Um, you know, the other reason is we have a lot of equipment. We don't like you said about your fitting. It sounds like you know you left with the feeling of what I put to players is there's there's stones not overturned. Um, whether it be you know you get a player who's always played KBS Tour 90. Right. You know, that's a really <laughs> soft. Uh, yep. That's a that's a very soft tip section shaft. You know, that player, I'm going to guess, doesn't hit it that high. But 
you know, maybe, maybe there's a 105 out there, a 115, just because, just because it says stiff or X or the weight on it doesn't mean that it plays like everything else in that lineup. Like the dynamic gold 105 doesn't play anything like the 130 original dynamic gold. It's a similar profile, but it's designed for players who need a lighter weight. They need a little bit of stability in the shaft, but they need a little bit higher ball flight. So you've got a player who's always played that, you know, that softer tip section, um, that style of shaft. And then you put them, you know, you, you, we try to just go through everything that is, um, within that, you know, within their tolerance. And then at times we just go, I go outside of it just to see, you know, you put a player who's never played project deck six Oh, who's played, um, you know, what's it is, uh, like a modus 105, a 105, um, you know, you just give them a different feel like, Hey, this is out here. Um, but going back, kind of getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, if you were to, you know, you come in through the studio where we want you to bring your club. In. Um, so we always want to test, like, I'm always testing against the players clubs, what they currently have, because if we, if you hit clubs, good, and we can't drastically make you better with a new club, a new setup, your clubs are good. You, you can leave that stone down, and maybe now we look at an instructor. Go take some lessons if, if what the issue is, um, where we don't want to just sell people clubs just to sell them a new club because they came out with something new. We want to make sure that we're making them drastically better. It's the whole reason we buy anything in the first place. Um, so, you know, full bag fitting, I'll kind of ask the player, you know, what's your misses? What are you looking to see? Um, you know, what's your experience as a golfer? Like for you, you're, you know, you're a very experienced golfer. You're on the low percentile of what I see, um, for my, my clients. Uh, so right off the bat, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a very, very in-depth conversation about golf clubs about what you're feeling, what you want. Um, you're going to be able to tell me what feels right. Where you get a 25 handicapper who's only bought, say, and this is not knocking any companies, but you buy a Walter Hagen set, you know, great starter set for a couple hundred dollars, get somebody in the game, but they have no idea what a swing weight is. They have no idea what a kick point is. Where you don't have to go too in-depth with that person of the techie side of the game. You explain stuff, but you, you're looking for more of, of, you know, this feels this way. Um, I like this ball flight where a player like yourself, we're looking for very tight numbers and dispersion. Um, we're trying to, in it, not just good or bad, we're trying to set up uh, a top to bottom bag that you're going to use. For a player like yourself um, who's getting back in the game, you know, maybe you strike three wood when you're playing every day but now you know unfortunately the father time is, is undefeated and everybody loses club head speed no matter what age you are you know there's the prime and then we start teetering off i start i see it all the time um you know maybe that three wood if we you were all day 13 13 and a half 14 maybe a 15 degree say um you know maybe you don't get that up there as much because your swing speed's down. So why don't we try this four wood or five wood and fill in the gap a different way and 
and build the set for what you are now rather than what you were. I think that's that's um, a great you first off I think you're making great points as to why anybody can get fit. So if you are right now listening and you're one of those people that say, "Well, you know what? I'm I only shoot high 90s or I've never broken 100. I shouldn't get fit." Like everything that John just said right now is the exact reason that you should get fit. Yeah. Yes, it is. Come, come see me. And really, <laughs> even if you're not in New England, go see a fitter. Not just me. Go see a fitter. That, that's really, if anybody takes anything out of this conversation, when it, go get fit. Go find out what information. Um, period. That's it. You know, so it, go, going back. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say the, the, bo- the bottom line is e- even if, like you said before, you don't get switched out of your clubs. They fit you well by happenstance or by whatever reason. The experience itself and to just gain some inside knowledge and what you can teach somebody, I think, is almost invaluable. I mean, just to, you know, I, first off, everyone that listens to this podcast is obviously a golf nerd just like us. I mean, you know what I mean? They they wouldn't be doing it um, if they didn't, and we appreciate them so much. But just the fact that you get to sit with someone for three, four hours or whatever it is and have an extra set of eyes and go home with the fact and you know 100% that the fact remains nothing has been not overturned. Like he has dug to the depths of everything and, and you know that whatever you leave with, whether like you said, whether it's what they have or something new, that that right there is perfect for you. Hundred percent, hundred percent. We want um, my goal, and Tom kind of explained it to me. Uh, the reason he brought me on was because of my experience just in golf. Uh, you know, the, the ability to just talk with somebody um, about the game. You know, I, I treated it right off of the bat as you know, player first, salesman last. Not even really a salesman. Uh, I really hate that kind of term at all. Um, cause we're, you know, anybody walks into my studio as a golfer, they want to get better. So I'm all in for that. I'm all in to help that. What's, uh, what's been one of, uh, like the craziest fittings that you've ever had? Like, has someone ever come in and, and been like, well, I know for a fact that I'm three degrees upright, you know, and I should be playing a, 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 a club that's, you know, uh, an inch cut down or whatever. And then it turns out that they're like a degree and a half flat and they need a club that's an inch long or something along those lines. Ooh. Uh, so the one that was the most fun was like my first few months, uh, older gentleman, older guy, probably in the, he was in his like mid seventies, never played the game before. He wanted to get into golf. He had just retired. Uh, and he brings in these absolutely gorgeous Mira MBO one blacked out blades. Oh, I mean, Lord. everybody in this shop just starts flipping out because these are, these are like three fifty four hundred $400 a head. And he's bringing them in a box and he says, Hey, I want to get fit and I want to get fit for these. So we walk him out. I introduce him, introduce myself. And we start going through our interview process of, you know, what's your ball play? What are you looking to do? And he says, I'm new to golf. I'm just looking to, I want the right length. I want the right line and I want these clubs. Um, and I said, oh, okay. And it was, you know, being a first few months into fitting, I, right off the bat, I was a little, you know, ah, this is going to be a tough fit. But he makes the comment. He says, I'm just going to, son, I'm just going to let you know. I've already walked out at two fittings. 
because they told me I should be hitting bigger clubs. I told you I want to learn with these clubs. And right then, it just switched. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is the golfer. I'm in. Let's do it. Right, I said, right. This is what you want. This is what you'll get. So we start posting, and you scroll all the way back in our Instagram and our Facebook. We, we, we built this guy into, like, Acra 70-gram graphite shaft in these mirror blades. Like, tip, tip to be M1, which is, like, their softest flex. It is, it is the funniest build because people on the internet kind of flip out. They're like, you don't build like that. You can't, you can't build blades. Who's building a, who, who wants a blade and a graphite shaft? But <laughs> that's the, that's the beauty of our game is who cares? That's what makes that guy go play more golf. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's going to get him out there, you know, and, and he's going to enjoy it, that's not influencing or impacting anybody else. No, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, the be- the, I'd say the most common thing, that, and not frustrating is not the right word, but the toughest thing I say to deal with is um, the player who only wants distance. They're obsessed with distance. That's probably, I'd say, the, t- you know, the tougher fitting because some players say, you know, I want to, my, my miss is this, but I'd love to hit it a little bit straighter. And, and of course, I'd love to hit it further. They're not, that person's not fully obsessed with distance, where the player that comes in just says, I want to hit it 20 yards further. Like, oh, that, there's no golf club in here. There's no magic to these golf clubs that make you hit it 20 yards further. Yeah, sometimes it's unless, the, the Indian, not the arrow, you know? Yeah, and, unless you just have completely wrong equipment. But let's face it, anything. Anything in the last 15 years has been maxed out. They're, you know, 460 is the biggest head you can get. And it's been that way for a long time. Yeah, the USJ is not changing that, you know, at all. So get yourself an illegal, no. get, you know, get an illegal ball if you, uh, if you don't want it. Uh, if you want it, yeah. And, it's, you know, they change materials, but um, it's just getting the right, right equipment and the right length to get you to hit the ball, the club solid more often. Um, so no matter what club it is, we get that. If your smash, your smash factor on a, on the flight scope is one three Oh, and we can get you into one four Oh, you're going to get this magical distance, but it, it was already, you know, every player's got that max distance in them. It's where we're just trying as fitters to bring it out of you more often. Right. Again, back to that consistency thing. If you hit the center of the club face five times around, well, yeah, your driving distance is going to increase because you've been hitting off the toe every hole exactly. for the last 10 years. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the same thing I'm sure you go with, with, with you know, in, in the teaching. If, if you hit this more solid, it's going to, you know, it's going to feel better. If you get into this position versus over the top cast, you're going to make better contact. Yeah, for sure. Um, now another thing that you guys do, which which is near and dear to my heart, because I'm just uh, I love equipment that's unique, that is kind of your own, that not many people have. You know, I guess maybe I got a little bit of the hype beast in me, but you guys do custom ferrules, you guys do custom stamping there, so you've expanded beyond just your normal quote unquote club fittings. Um, yeah. 
how how yeah. how how does that go? And like, okay, so if you go on the website, you can see like you can get the dollar sign ones, and you can do shamrocks and things like that. Do you guys go above and beyond that? Do you do paint fills as well? Things along those lines, like really deep into customization. I we we're trying to we're starting to. Um, it, it's it's just myself and uh, my my man Steve Coletta in the shop right now. Um, so we're we will do anything a player wants. Um, you know, it, if it's more in depth, you know, just because it's only two people, we, we ask that and it's going to take a little bit of time if it's very in depth where we've, we've done, Steve did one with just flowers, a different flower on every single one. And that took him a good, good amount of time because we also have other things going on, but it will do paint fill. We'll do stamping. Um, so I have to give, yeah, my, my, fascination with that stuff was when like I first got into Instagram or got on Instagram. I don't know how I stumbled across the, uh, the boys at Sugarloaf, but as sure, everybody, sure. In, the golf, wow, as everybody yeah. in the golf world knows who they are. I mean, they're the OGs. Um, exactly. They're, you know, very cool guys. Um, but I looked at that and that was everything that I thought golf should be anyway. Um, Growing when I moved down to South Carolina from URI, I was living by myself, and a lot of the inspiration I had was through you know reading Surfer magazine, reading you know Free Skier, reading Powder magazine. This adventure lifestyle, this lifestyle, golf is a lifestyle, um, and it wasn't being showcased as a lifestyle, and that's what I think now people through through social media platforms is it, it's becoming or it's really it, it is um it's this awesome lifestyle now you can it's cool to be a golfer yeah i think um, that's so uh, that's where, a very good point where i tried when i you know right when i took over the my first big move <laughs> i call it my big moves i i emailed um patrick over at boyd and said, Hey man, I love your ferals. Uh, you guys actually made wedges for me when I first turned pro that I still have from scratch and they have the original Boyd ferals on it. And I was like, I'd love to get inventory into my shop. So, you know, I can spread the word about Boyd and customization because, you know, what's cooler than having golf clubs that you love to look at and, and you know, they're personalized. So he got back to me and, well, you know, lo and behold, they they were starting a wholesale, you know, program starting up. So we brought we I brought them in. Um, so my, you know, I'm I'm working to try to get people to get more excited about their golf clubs. To I love, you know, National Custom put up something um, that I really like that I have written on my whiteboard, and it's play the golf clubs that you love to look at. And that goes back to that guy when I fit three months into my career as a fitter was that guy just was wanting to play golf clubs that he liked to, that he really loved to look at. And at the end of the day, that's the whole point of playing golf. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, it's like people that go to a gym. Um, if, if you have a gym that's 25 miles away from you, uh, you know what? You're probably not going to go that often, but if there's something that's close to you and it's convenient, it's handy and you like it, you're going to show up more. You know, same exact thing. If if you are infatuated with the clubs that you have or, or the new putter that you got, you want to go out and use it. You don't want it to sit 
in your basement or in your garage. Exactly, exactly. Couldn't have put it in, in a better way. So yeah, I mean, I I I I I feel that a hundred percent. Like I feel that with every fiber of my golfing soul. I, I understand that <laughs> completely. Um, well, we're seeing, um, you know, we're seeing quite a few guys now. Uh, we've had some, uh, we've had some players ship in, uh, ship in clubs just to get, uh, to get re, you know, rebuilt with Boyd Ferrell. Um, and the way we do that build is we're pulling the clubs apart and we are then doing what we do if you were to buy the clubs from us, which is our frequency and MOI build. Um, so we're making sure that club's built exactly the same way it was prior. So it's not just where we, you know, we're not just pulling them apart, gluing them just to make them look good. Um, you know, we're, we're taking the time to make sure that it's done the right way, but it also is, you know, it looks cool as well. Now you mentioned earlier back in the beginning about how you've got people from nine or so different uh, countries and, and 30 plus odd states that, that have, have come in. Um, are you getting people, are you starting to notice that people are making this a destination, you know, kind of like if you, if you build it, they will come type thing. I, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, oh, you know, I, I want, I don't want to take, I, I can't take credit for that because that was, um, that was kind of how it, how we were when I started working here. Uh, last year I had a kid from, you know, his parents were from, Rhode Island, but he lived in Geneva, Switzerland. And there's, I'm sure there are fitting studios out in Geneva, but he made sure to fly back to get fit by us. Um, you know, granted, he has roots in Rhode Island. The one that, the one that was in crazy, uh, to me was we had a girl who found us on Google and convinced her parents to fly from the Azores to make like a family trip so she could come get fit. Holy cow. <laughs> it was, dude, bananas. And, you know, very good junior golfer. Um, you know, she was like 16. Um, very, very good. Like played on their like national junior team. But just to think that you were able to type into Google and find Rhode Island this little fitting studio in Rhode Island, and that's where you chose to come. Um, yeah, there is that little bit of a destination um, kind of mentality uh, to the whole to the whole operation. We want you to come in and and have a blast, and and you know, turn your phone off for four hours. Come come just be a come feel like a pro golfer for four hours. Get full treatment. Get to try a bunch of different equipment. Try stuff you wouldn't really try anywhere else. And let you know, let's just geek out on golf for for a few hours. So, if if someone came in and let's say you know they're playing Club X or whatever, and they come in and you're fitting them for a completely different brand, um, different loft, different lie, different length, all that stuff, right? The swing weights off, all this stuff. How long can someone expect it to take uh, for a full bag fitting? Like, let's say literally. They were getting fit for 14 new clubs. What's the turnaround for you guys on, on something like that, making that happen for a customer? So, through, like, once we're done with the fitting, how long does the club Yeah, like that, that, like, you know, I come on a Monday, 
and I'm in there for three, four hours, and you know, you're like, all right, Dan, look, here's exactly what you need. Here's your specs. Here's your printout. You know, we can get those done for you. Um, what am I looking at turnaround time? Average, of course. Average. Uh, we we always quote people ten to fourteen business days. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, because we're two of our companies are from the West Coast. Uh, you know, it takes a little bit longer for them to get to us. And then Mizuno coming out of Georgia is, is very quick. Uh, we've had, you know, I'd say in my, just in my observing the industry, whenever they turn over clubs, you know, from G400 to G410, say ping, ping will be slow for like a month. So we'll, we'll have one or two clubs that it's an absolute nightmare situation where the guys waited seven weeks for a club or six weeks for a club and there's nothing we can do about it because it was back ordered and it was, you know, there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough original order, but overall I say average, you're sitting in between that, that two week period. Um, we've turned the Zuno over in five days. Wow. So you get, you know, think about how spiked the guy, uh, a player is, when when you you quote them, you know they get fit. Say today was the, today the fourteenth, so we're quoting them. You know, the first week of October, and then by the end of next week, they're getting a call with their golf club. <laughs> they are on top of the world. Yeah, they're they're playing golf with the new clubs next weekend. The next time they go out on the weekend, they've got their new sticks with them. They got their new sticks. So it all you know it all depends on you know how things are going, but. Yeah, everybody, everybody's pretty good, but that 10 to 14 is that, that two weeks, you know, two business weeks. Now, here's a question that I get asked a ton, and, like, I'm not going to lie. I know a lot about golf, probably too much, honestly. It probably takes up way too much space in my brain. <laughs> From what I've listened to, you are one of the more knowledgeable people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I greatly appreciate that. I'm not sure if that's, like, a uh, a better or worse scenario, but... Okay, so I've been like slightly involved in the golf club industry. I will not pretend that I know a ton, but I used to have a personal TMAG account when TaylorMade Adidas Golf, you know, were still married with each other. And yeah. it was one of those things where it was like through the driving range and it was 40% off of like their wholesale cost. So, you know, for years I was like, oh, you know, the, the new. The new uh, R7s came out. Awesome. I'm getting a whole set because it's going to cost me nothing. And then the, you know, the range got out of that business because obviously the turnover is insane if you're a small company, you know, especially like with TaylorMade. You're looking at every four months or so, something new is coming off the rack. Yeah. What happens with those clubs? Like right now, let's just take TaylorMade, okay, because I'm super familiar with that. The M5, the M6 are the newest things, okay? Something's going to be out with it, you know, by November. So what happens when a club is sitting on a shelf? I don't, I, you know, I don't, that's, that's if you know, what happens if a club's sitting on a shelf for a year and then the company says, okay, well, look, we don't want those out anymore because they're not the new ones. Um, do they just get returned? And like, what is TaylorMade doing with those things? Because I want them at a very discounted price. Um, the company, you know, there, oh, right off the top of my head, I can't think of the company that I've heard get used, but we send back. So, you know, ping, for example, we go through there, they give us, you know, we, we order their whole lineup of, of driver heads. So we get their fitting club. Um, so we'll have one head of each law in the LST, the SFT, the plus. 
when that gets turned over, we've already bought those clubs, those heads. So those have just stayed in our in our fitting studio. Those never get hit outside. They've only been getting hit range balls. They've been hit for two years, but we sell them at a very discounted price with you know with a shaft um, because you know usually like like the industry except title it. Uh, they love to change adapters with each club. That's annoying. It's the most annoying thing. I mean, that's like just, that's planned obsolescence, you know? That's like your cell phone dying every two years because they it's know the you'll re-up charger. to a new contract. Yeah, it's the iPhone charger. They change, They have to change the wire just so you can't use the last one. <laughs> so... But Titleist is the best. But anyway, so they, we, we personally don't carry really any inventory. Um, we have our opening orders. Um, because we're a very small company, we don't we don't have we have our small opening orders that you know, we carry stuff for inside the shop. So a player who walks in looking for a fitting, you know, just curious, they can look at what things look at. Uh, I'm sorry, what the club looks like. But other than that, we just have you know one of each. So we have for the title of line, we have one T300, T200, T100 head, and those get sent. We send those back to Titleist. Even the Titleist heads, we send those back to them and they give them to another company who sells them for a cheaper price. Okay, gotcha. So so is that where those third-party sites like Second Swing Golf and, and all those come into play? Yeah. Okay, that, all right, gotcha. That is the one, I'm sorry, that is the one That is the one they use. Gotcha. Because all right, well, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they should open up. If they're listening, I know they're, I know they're not, but if they start listening, I think they should open up just a website – to the masses, you know? I mean, they, they gosh, th- those things would fly off the shelves. You Think about how many. They do not sell out of all M5. Right, that's what M6 I'm saying. Heads. There's no way in the world. No way. They, they Exactly. So, it's a, that's a, wow, that's, man, who, who do you know at TaylorMade? I don't, I don't know. I, I got to find somebody. <laughs> I got to find somebody. That's the problem. I got so many damn good ideas, and then... I shout them out, and then they get lost in the ether, and I forget them. For sure, but <laughs> I, I agree, agree with you know. But it it is one of those things where the reason we do business with the three companies that we do business with is because their shelf life is two years. Yeah, no, that's I mean that's that's good. Yeah, they're they're not taking a page out of TaylorMade business model. You know, and and the maybe, fact, maybe. and and the fact that you mentioned it before. You know, like let's just take drivers because obviously those have those are, you know the sexiest things. They they have the highest markup. Absolutely. Um, there's no there's nothing it's else. Like ridiculous. people, there's nothing else out there. It's 460 cc's. Like you're not getting a Xander Shoffley hot hot face. Okay, you're getting a regular off the rack thing. Like just get something that is obviously fit, but you can easily get something two years old, and there's no difference. No. No, there's there's really not in. Um, I mean, I hope my my sales reps are they'll listen eventually, but maybe not to this one. Um, <laughs> but that, that's that's the thing where you know we pride ourselves. I pride myself on you're always leaving with your spec sheet, no matter what, no matter what if you buy or not buy, you're leaving with all the information that you need. So I tell people, I just told the player two days ago. Um, we work together. He's my, he's kind of the guy who we've got some uh, cool little videos about to be getting rolled out. 
uh, maybe a YouTube channel uh, type situation where we're going to show some things more behind the scenes of how we, you know, how we build clubs and how we do, do our things behind the scenes. But this guy is my kind of content creator and I gave him a fitting and you know, he's 28, 29 years old where, yeah, he's not willing, you know, he's not ready to build buy $3,500 from top to bottom 14 clubs. So right. I told, I told him, I said, Hey, here's all the information. All you got to do is just call me up and I'll lead you in the right direction of like last year's model, because you're not going to lose that much with last year's model, but where you are going to be is in the right position to, to have to hit better shot. Um, but you don't have to break your bank. Now, some players who just walk in the door want shiny and new and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, you got to give the customer what they want. Um, I played with a guy probably a decade or so ago where literally, you know, you hear about guys getting new clubs every year. Well, every time there was an upgrade, this guy had it. So you're talking about this dude rolling through three to four sets a year. In my mind, I was always going like, how can you stay consistent when, especially like when lofts change, you know, yeah. um, you know, you take like a pitching wedge, you know, there's some companies who's, geez, their pitching wedge is like, you know, 43 degrees or so. It's like basically playing a, a soft nine iron half the time. Yeah, well, one, one, of, one of the ones we work with out in, uh, you know, Massachusetts. Yeah, their pitching wedge and their biggest iron is 43 degrees. Yeah. That is just crazy. Yeah, that's, you're, that's you're, a, a you're, nine iron from the 70s. Yeah, you're pushing a guy. Can you hear me? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You're pushing a guy into an extra club because right. they have to fill the right. gap in between their wedges. Yeah, and then the gapping becomes insane, and, and you wonder why you're walking around with having an 85-yard shot. It, it, it's not. Um, that's, you know, that's the part I wish would, would change a little bit in the game as they go back to more um, – it's more about shot-making rather. It, it become, golf has become a distance game, a contest. Well, you you and could not preach to a more willing to listen choir right now. You know, in you look at um, in terms of just buying all new equipment. Uh, you know, there's Henrik Stenson is the perfect example. Um, why doesn't he have a, a brand new three wood in his bag? Yeah, because there's nothing that's going to knock that thing out. And you're gonna and, and people are and people are gonna look and look at you and tell you that he's not testing new wood. Not, you know, so there's there's something to be said that that club fits his swing profile perfect. Right. Now, if you're in something that doesn't fit your profile perfectly, then yeah, let's find something that does and that's going to cost money. If you play a hot, if you play something and have a hobby, it will cost money, but you're at least going to get the right information and do it right the first time. Um, we, we see customers that are like every five years, they come in and they, yeah, I want to upgrade. I want to just, you know, I got the ping G5 and I want to get the new G410. Rarely are we changing their line angle or their length because they're not shrinking or growing. But in five to 10 years, you do, you know, you lose something. So maybe it's a different profile and shaft. Yeah, I mean that that makes perfect sense. Um, before I get you out of here, because I've, I've monopolized a ton of your time, I want Dude, I'm you. Just, I'm just sitting on my couch. I got pizza here. My fiance is at a bachelorette party, so I've got nothing. Oh, to you're talk. living then. 
Exactly. I played played some golf this afternoon after a few sittings, have some pizza. It's a good day. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, t- you mentioned you mentioned before, and I thought it was it was great because you know I I feel like you and I are con- are, are kind of in the same boat with um, starting to brand things. You know, we we're really trying hard to brand stuff with our little putter guy logo that our buddy Tyler, the creator, shout out to yeah. him. Um, I really like the new logo, man. Appreciate it's that. Cool. You know what he created, and, and you guys have that swingman logo. So you mentioned before cleaning it up a little bit and kind of making it more. I don't know, appealing to the to the younger or, or Instagram crowd. Um, take us through what you did with the logo. Like, what changes did you make? Because I don't know what it was before. And then... Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, and I was just going to say, and then kind of give us an idea of maybe what should, we should expect in the future. Because you got hats and, and shirts right now. Um, so, like, what's in the pipeline, if you care to share, and and where do you see it maybe going four or five years from now? For sure. Uh, so, the, the old Swingman was, like, the, the Spargo logo, and it was kind of this black and white. It, it looked like it was if the um, the men's room symbol guy was swinging a golf club. <laughs> <book. laughs> so, it was very, very okay. It wasn't Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was just... It wasn't something that somebody wanted to buy a T-shirt of, or yeah, it didn't pop, or, or have on their bag. So I'm uh, very blessed that my fiance's brother, who is going to be my future brother-in-law in a, in a few months, um, is a graphic designer and freelance like artist. So I sat with him when I found out that this was this transition was going to happen, this purchase was going to happen. I said, you know, Matt, I want. I have this idea and I, we literally sat down and I showed him, um, Sugarloaf. I showed him the, you know, the butt club. I showed him these companies that I love to support and I love what they're doing and how clean their logos are and what they look like. And I said, I want my logo to, to have this effect on people. I don't want to be like these people people because that's what makes them good we're not you know we're not trying to be sugarloaf we're a fitting studio but i want the logo to be something that people want to buy they want you know they want to wear our brand um and then that might promote people to come even get fit as well so he kind of he he took quite a few months uh to get get me some proofs and the idea um, like the script was, I really enjoyed the way Jackson Hole logo sat, the way it just kind of popped in your eye, it had the logo on the left and the script on the right. Um, so there's a lot of influence from kind of everything that I like and I wanted to turn it into, you know, something that I was proud to wear in all the state opens and many sort of stuff that I play. So I was repping my shop all the time. Um, so he came up with, with this logo, with the shield, um, and he explained that you know, the shield is uh, a sign of you know, family and unity, um, with the swing man being a little bit more modern and way more aggressive than what we used to have. Gotcha. Uh, and, you know, what the, true, the kind of trippy part for me when he first released it to me was is it's me. Um, it's a 
picture. He drew it off of a picture from the website. Are you serious? Um, yeah. So me not being, you know, uh, it was weird for me to be like, so I, what you're telling me, Matt, is I'm going to be wearing myself on my hat. That's super egotistical. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and hey, man, look, you. every tour pro has their initials, you know what I mean, yeah. somehow made into a logo, so roll with it. And so we, you know, we kind of went through, and um, I looked at, I spent probably a week just opening it up. When I'd wake up, I'd look at the logo, and I you know, I, I love it, but I couldn't get over, like, the ego part of it. I thought it was just a little too kind of kind of kooky, um, but we started talking about color schemes and um, because of all the success I had at USDB and I really attribute USDB to kind of making me the golfer that really I've become, um, I wanted to pay a little homage to them. So I, we, we went on their website and found the color scheme that, you know, was my school colors. So now my, my shop's logo is my old school's colors that we, you know, I had all my fun with and kind of, pushed me into professional golf that pushed me into, um, you know, owning a shop and still playing professional golf at, uh, you know, a high level. So it's the whole logo was for, um, you know, to build this kind of shop brand where, you know, like the, like, I'm trying to think of a movie, like Lords of Dogtown where those kids just wanted to skate for a shop. I would like to have golfers playing for my shop type thing. Yeah, that's, uh, is that's one of, awesome. One of my, one of my you know, uh, schemes would be um, to get players, you know, rocking, rocking the Spargo gear and wh- whether it be, you know, we, we get them fit, I build their clubs and stuff like that, and they go off and, um, you know, I'm already, I've, I've got clubs over in going to European Q school right now um, we've got some clubs down in Bermuda. We've got some clubs playing Q schools uh, in the in the states that I've you know helped some buddies out through just playing in tournaments and you know thankfully playing well enough um, where guys have now you know there's a uh, it's a cool thing walking into a tournament where you know oh John you know I got a question I hear you're the club I hear you're the club guy. While I'm warming up on the putting green for a tournament, it's a, it's a very, very cool feeling that, you know, I've, I've kind of made golf my life where golf is the occupation now. It's not professional golfer. It's, it's a blanket golf is my occupation. Yeah. You've, you've blended a passion with work and turned it into a lifestyle. Couldn't have said it better. See, it shows why you're the teacher and I'm just building golf. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate. Um, so you've got hats, you've got shirts. Uh, yeah. What what and other what not. other gear is out there, and what other gear is coming? So right now, those hats and shirts were kind of like the the first run, and me being a new business owner, I didn't really know how to order anything, so I just went on. Um, like a hat wholesaler and order just this way too many hats. So I've just got, I was all excited. My, my fiance, but you should have seen her face when the boxes came in of all the shirts and hoodies. And um, so those are just like basic stuff just to get the logo on stuff to see what it looks like. Gotcha. Going forward, going forward, um, kind of we're, I'm looking to get more of a, an online presence for the, 
apparel and gear so that it reaches more of a market. Uh, you know, I, I guys who come in, guys and girls who come into the shop, to, you know, buy some hats here and there. Um, but you know, the player who comes into my shop is is already spending a ton of money on golf club. I don't want to be you know looking like the guy just keep pushing more stuff where I want it to be kind of limited run stuff. What we've seen in again, it's just following what kind of what the industry is showing of you know you do limited runs, but you do quality limited runs. So it's you know something special to have. So we've worked with um, uh, you know cool wallet company. We've got some. Uh, Needlepoint leather wallets coming out in the next uh, next few weeks, probably kind of in the December area is when we have a goal of launching the new Shopify website where we're going to periodically put some stuff out um, in the works, trying to work with Seamus Golf to get some, um, some head covers. Um, we've also been in talks with a local company that does some head covers around here, some more leather stuff. Um, but again, it's, I want to work with the companies that I truly like to work with or that I truly like their product. Um, you know, what, what Zach Blair has done with the Buck Club, I think is an inspiration for all pro golfers and just what he's doing with just being so kind of open and showing the world of golf. Um, what Sugarloaf does with their shot, you know, their, their store, they come out with, small batch stuff and just really quality stuff that's, that people love. And that's kind of where, you know, my goal is to, you know, for that, for that to be the same with, with our product. Um, but I'd say more, you know, some better, some more quality hat kind of, um, but not like just your run of the mill, you know, here's your bad hat, here's your flat bill, here's your visor. I want it to be more of a personal thing where, you know, maybe we work with, um, you know, like a, a puka or where we have one style of hat where it's, you know, you know that the, with the colors and everything. Um, I'd like to get um, my setup right now. Uh, I was really, really fortunate to meet the guys at McKenzie at the PGA show. And they hooked me up with, um, with my new logo on, you know, a single strap canvas McKenzie Walker that I've rocked uh, since I got it in April. Um, because I, I ordered it like an idiot. I ordered it the month that the, they started building the, the ringer bag. So mine got put in the back order of the ringer, uh, the ringer bags. And now it's all, it's fun. Come full circle. I'm heading down in October to go to, um, the ringer in, uh, North Carolina. Yeah, sure. Down at Pinehurst and, uh, the dormy club down there. Yeah. So that'll be a fun time. So it's, you know, I'd like to get all the, um, all the apparel that I, I want it to be just golf, you know, for, for golf, um, you know, whether it be, you know, a few McKenzie bags, um, you know, just to get, just to have a few of them in there, but we're not really a big apparel, you know, apparel driven company, but some t-shirt, um, you know, t-shirts, long sleeves, some golf shirt. But again, I don't want to just get, you know, some run of the mill, cotton you know polo i want it to be something that people are proud to wear yeah definitely definitely um so listen john give give people give them everything right now plug yourself tell them how to get in touch with you you know where to follow you um the address over in 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 cranston and, and let people know how 
if they're interested or even if they're not, they're just interested in following you on social media and getting a behind the scenes look at how this club fitting process and, and building is done. How can people get in touch with you? How can people reach you? All right, you're going to love this one. Well, if you want to talk on the phone, just call us at the shop at 401-946-GOLF. That is our phone number. That's awesome. <laughs> did you have to pay extra um, for that? I, I believe my boss did years ago. Okay. And, and we were keeping it until, until, we're, until, go, until I'm done doing that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, our Instagram handle is Spargo Golf. That's where um, I'm... Basically, if you're if you send us messages, if you have any questions about what we do at the club uh, at the shop, if we we can do anything to help you, um, you know you're going to be getting in contact with me. Um, I'm the guy running the the social media. My my very slow attempt at growing a growing a social media account, which is a lot harder than expected. Um, but that our Facebook is farther off as well. Uh, if you want to drop us a line through email, it's support at spargogolf.com. Um, our website is www.spargogolf.com. You can book your fittings on there. We have a Google live Google calendar, so it's easy to fit your schedule into what we have available. Um, we don't do much on Twitter. I'm not, but those are, yeah, those are so Instagram is my big one right now. Um, that's where I'm most present. Very cool. So, I mean, the people listening out there, you have zero reason to not contact him. And, you know, I can vouch that they are more than humble, more than honest, more than open and willing and ready to talk. I mean, that's that's how we met through a, you know, through a DM on Instagram. So there are people out there that want you to get better, the people out there that want to fit you and get you into the right club so you have no trepidations when you're out on the golf course. John, I cannot thank you enough. This has been such a, a deep dive. It's been so in-depth. And, you know, I, honestly, personally, you've answered a ton of my questions that I had. And Scott and I always talk about that, that if we're entertaining uh, ourselves and, you know, we're doing things that we like, that someone else out there is going to like it as well. So I cannot thank you enough, sir. Man, I, I really can't thank you enough for uh, for having me on here. This has been honestly my first one. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta follow what this man's doing right now. He's up to good things. Um, and you know, please, if you're in Rhode Island, you and you and your man have got to come come see me at the shop, and we will have some fun. That is a hundred percent going to happen at some point in the future. I can guarantee yes. you. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. We'll you know we'll we'll even play some golf. I'll show you some Rhode Island golf for sure. For sure. All right, people. So either get busy golfing or get busy dying. 